Welcome to The Theology of the Buddy, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the Church's sacred tradition. My name is Brooke. If you are looking to grow in the faith in new ways, looking to connect with other faithful Catholics, or you're simply looking for other Catholic voices who are willing to speak the truth without compromise, and who like to have fun in the process, you've come to the right place. We're not experts, but we have learned a lot over the 15 plus years we've been friends in the faith, and we want to share that with you. So if you haven't yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening, and don't forget to drop by TheologyOfTheBuddy.com for all of our show notes and past episodes. Well, it's just me and Mike here tonight. Uh Uh-oh. Things happen, and sometimes you have to change your plans, and that's okay. So originally it was going to be all of us, but um, (laughs) let's just say uh, (laughs) an ambulance got flipped over. Literally. (laughs) And Julie had to have a mating. That's a reference for something. What is that a reference for? Where's Chris? We need to have a meeting. That's it. (laughs) Nobody will get that's a Father Steve um flash video from back in the day. Oh, okay. Life team. (laughs) Shout out to Father Steve. (laughs) Yeah. He used to make these flash animations back in the day. I wonder if his website is still up with all this. Flash games and stuff. These are questions that we need to have answers to. But yeah, so we were going to jump back into the liturgical breakdown, um, but that has been postponed until, fingers crossed, season six, which will hopefully be resuming in September, October-ish, in the fall sometime anyway. Um, We're going to be taking a break for the summer. And uh, yeah, hopefully in the next episode, which will be episode 100 Hopefully going to share some of the things that we're going to do in the summer and hopefully have a good time during the episode and in the summer. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. (laughs) (laughs) So Mike and I have a book that's uh, one question a day and you answer a question every day and the book lasts for three years. And it's been really interesting to look back on how we answered the questions last year and how we're answering them this year. We're on the second year of this book. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting to see how my headspace has changed. You know, there's a lot of things that don't change. Like, what things do you value most in life? You know, things like that. But, Mm. you know, there are things like, what are you dreading most these days? And some days it was like, existence. (laughs) Or having to leave the house. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of see the... The season of parenthood kind of immortalized there and kind of where I was headspace-wise. And if you've listened to Brooke's Brain Gets Better, which I think was episode 89 or something like that, it was a couple episodes ago, you know, you can kind of see how I got better. But it's just interesting to see what my answers were during that hard season of life and parenthood and Mm. looking at how they are now. I can handle the stress of everyday life and parenthood a little bit better than I used to. There, there could be like a spiritual exercise similar to this. I don't know if there is. This is totally just like a, a secular book that we're using, but it's kind of interesting how insights into how your spiritual life is doing kind of bleed into your answers to everyday stuff. Like part of our growth spiritually is knowing how to seek peace in chaos and in confusion, right? And sometimes it's easier to do that than at other times. Like, it's really hard to to feel at peace when you're super, super stressed or you're anxious or you're sick or 
you're worried about a lot of concrete things or something like that. But I think as we grow and mature spiritually, we're able to find peace even in those storms a little bit easier. And hopefully as we get older, it becomes just a little bit more natural to find peace even in chaos. Yeah, I kind of think of the the principle of like finding God among the pots and pans mm-hmm. of like working on your your faith and your relationship with God within your work and your daily life. Mm-hmm. So many saints have spoken about that. Yeah, I found I have found a lot more peace in just accepting certain things are kind of unchangeable and that certain things are just the way that they are. Like I'm trying to deal with my kids' certain temperaments and they're very opposite of my temperament and just like, well, this is just how it is. This is an unchanging thing, at least right now. This is just what it is. How am I going to deal with that? And, uh, you know, you just kind of move forward. I think the hardest part at this season in life is having enough time to do everything because I'm doing everything for the kids and for the family and the schedule fills up. So there's a lot of things that I wish I had more time for, like my comic, but... Uh, you just have so many projects. Yeah, I know, I know. Anyway, life gets busy. And sometimes you just have to go, okay, well, I'm just going to do what I can do. And that's it. Some weeks, I only get one or two pages done of the comic book. And that's okay. Some days I just make a lot of food. That's okay, too. Well, enough of that ordinary life. Tell us about the catastrophic and traumatic event that happened. Okay. That's what we're all here for. Okay. Drama, excitement. There's there's drama. All right. (laughs) So I had to go out east with my mom um, to go to a celebration of life type thing. And I'm not going to get into details about that, but it was, it was a weird situation in some, some, in some respects, but I really was going so that my mom wouldn't make the drive all by herself. And I really did want to give consolation to my aunt who had lost her husband um, because he really was a good man. And he was a very dear, dear friend to my dad. So we, we go and we see some family and it was a really exhausting trip because basically all we did was drive and, and drive and drive and see family, but it was really busy. We didn't really get some, we didn't get a lot of quiet time, even just for mom and myself. And the quiet time we did have, mom was adamant she had to play patchwork and parks, which are board games, like every single night, (laughs) and try to keep me up super late. But I'm old now. (laughs) Unlike your mom. (laughs) (laughs) She just really likes board games now. (laughs) Or she likes these two particular board games. Anyway, so everything is all finished up on the... Saturday, it goes late because we end up having dinner or something. And then Sunday, we head out to make a hour and a half trek to get to Sunday Mass. And this was in Halifax, right? Yeah. I'm not going to say the parish that it happened, though. But uh, it was a Novus Ordo Mass. But it was there really are no options out east, at least none I could find. And, you know, since... Coming home, I found that there is a very small group of people that attend the, the TLM, but it's kind of sporadic as to where the, where those masses are happening. So we go to this Novus Ordo mass, and honestly, it was probably one of the most next to the grotto. Like, grotto was like the most reverent, but this was like a runner up. 
Like it was really surprising because all things considered, because I had no idea what I was getting into. And I was kind of nervous because, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff that can happen. You know, they had all altar boys, like they were all like, you know, teenage altar boys. They were using incense. The music was good. They had like six priests and all of the priests were distributing communion and, and whatnot. And, uh, and there were a lot of people there that were Latin masters. Like you could, you can tell, <laughs> you can tell the ones that are Latin masters by the way that they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of them have their like their 1962 missiles in their laps while they're, while they're there. <laughs> they got their mantelas. Yeah, and- they got their mantelas and. It's kind of been a running joke between, like, with me and Mike's family that every mm-hmm. time we go on vacation, we always see a doppelganger of Mike. And so, you know, Mom and I have we've received communion, and um, I'm I I just look up, you know, there's the tabernacle is up there, so you know, I was just praying, and um, then I see the guy that looks like Mike. I'm just like, oh, that's cool, haha, there he is, and so. I see this guy and he puts the host in his mouth and but as he's walking down the aisle he takes the host out of his mouth and puts it into his hand. And so like I'm just like oh no you didn't. <laughs> like <laughs> I was so scared but I was like so I I lock eyes with this guy and I and I I point to him and I say stop. He just keeps walking and unfortunately for Everyone around me, I, I apparently said stop two more times, and I went straight into mom mode, and I snapped my fingers at him. <laughs> like looking back, like I cringe, but I'm also like, I felt like I wasn't actually doing any of those things, if that makes any sense. And there's a reason that I'm sharing this story that I'll say at the end. And so the guy does stop, and he he just kind of stops and just looks at me, and I'm just like. I I put my hands on his hands and like my heart is going a mile a minute. And I just tell him, you have my Lord in your hands, please give him back to me. And so he says, okay. So he puts, he puts the, you know, the host in my hand. And after that, I have no idea what happened to him. And I had, I had nothing else that I could have done at that moment. I was honestly so scared that I had the host in my hand at that time because he doesn't belong there. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> How long has it been since you've received communion in the hand? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. Like 10 plus years. Yeah, I was going to guess like 15 years. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's been a really long time. And so I have my Lord and I have him in my hands and I I have to just like basically eyes down and I'm just like I'm just going to go to the priest um and give the host to the priest. And I was like uh, someone was going to take this out of the church or was not going to consume the host or, or something. I don't know. And then, uh, so the priest takes the host and what, what did they put it in? Wa- they put it in water. I don't know what the wording is. Yeah. That's the standard okay. practice. Yeah. So I think you'd use the, no, I don't, I don't know if you use any of the regular vessels. Yeah. And mass I'm or not to do it. 
I'm not you sure. You didn't see what he actually did. No, did I didn't. Because yeah. after I, I handed I handed our Lord off to the priest, uh, an usher came and asked me what who it was. So he takes me back. He looks outside. I didn't look around to see if he was still in the church. Because the last thing I thought was this guy would still be there. I remember when you first told me this story. And you said that the moment he handed our Lord to you that he basically ceased to exist. Oh, yeah, he was in gone. In your brain. Yeah, I have no idea. So I have no idea where he went. I have no idea mm. where he sat. Like, I didn't see him after that, after that moment. Like, yeah, he was basically gone. He meant nothing to me in that moment. And, uh, yeah, so I, I go back to sit down back with my mom because mass was still going on at this time. Yeah, then I, I tell my mom, I'm, I have to go talk to the priest and, and tell him exactly what happened because I'm sure it was just like a crazy person. So I go talk to the priest and, you know, I tell him everything that had happened because I'm I'm a stranger there. That's not my parish. I don't know anybody there. Like I could have I could have been the loony to everybody else. So I told him what was happening, what had happened, and uh he said, "Oh, yeah, that's happened before." And you know, sometimes people will take the host back to their back to the pew, and I was just like, "Nope, that shouldn't be happening." Like that's not okay. Nope. I, I'm pretty sure I actually said that out loud because I'm just like, if you know yeah. this, if you know that's happening, that's your job to put a stop to it. You know, yeah. like it, with all due respect, it's like, yeah, how can there not be someone watching for this if it's happened before and you know about it? Exactly. Exactly. And uh, but yeah, so I clarified. No, he had put the host in his mouth, walked away, then took the host out of his mouth and put it in and held it in his in his fist. So that to me was the red flag. Now I mean if I if he hadn't put the ho- if he was carrying the host down the aisle and I saw him I would have stopped him and told him to consume the host, but that's not what had happened. Because he had put the host in his mouth at the front and then removed it and hit it in his hand, that had alarm bells ringing. So then after I talk to the priest, I go and find my mom and uh I just break down. I start sobbing because like I've said it before on this podcast, I have a mild diagnosed social anxiety disorder. <laughs> so I start bawling because like, for me to do any of that was like, that was like really, really scary. But I knew I had to do it. And so I start crying, I'm crying in the pew. And like, it's not just like little cry. I'm like, straight up insane sobbing in the pew. This other priest comes over and I think he was from India. He comes over and he's talking to my mom over my head. I'm just crying because I'm just like, I was so scared that like the host was going to be desecrated. So for me, it was like the fact that I saw that happen or what could have happened there, that was really, really scary. And it made me really, really sad, especially for that person. And I don't know if that was the intent it could have been that it was out of ignorance or something. It could have been, I don't know, maybe he had a sensory disorder. And so it could have been a lot of things. But anyway, so the priest comes over and he's talking to my mom over my head. And my mom's telling him, <laughs> saying to him, Father, give her a blessing. Give her a blessing. He's like, oh, and he's saying like, oh, you are repentant. It's okay. Do you need to be baptized? And I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. And he's just like, what was she's like, no, 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 she is baptized. Just give her a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, you were repentant. It is okay. And I'm just like, no, someone was trying. Think someone was trying to steal the hose to desecrate it. And he's just like, oh, 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 okay. I understand now. <laughs> but like, I, like the fact that I was crying so much 
and like just completely unhinged like weeping yeah. is so embarrassing like <laughs> i share i share it not because like it's all funny mm. but looking back it's like from an outsider's perspective if they had no idea what was going on i was a loony i was an absolute just mm. basket case of a woman uh i stand up and then there's this gentleman that's he said he had seen what had happened and he said that he tried to follow the guy out at some point. I don't know if it was immediately after or if it was like at the end of mass or what, but he said that, you know, he tried to talk to him and shake his hand, but the guy didn't even want to touch him. And it, he said that he didn't think his ignorance was genuine. Like, I'm really grateful for that guy. If he hears this, I just want to say thank you so much for checking in on that guy, even if uh, under those circumstances, and also walking me and my mom out to <laughs> out to my mom's car, because I was like, I was honestly scared for my mom. Like, I didn't want her to get hurt or something. Like, I don't know who this person was. And like, he could have just been, again, just felt pressured to receive the host or something. I don't, I don't know. I really don't. But I had to take care of my mom because that was why I went on that trip and I didn't want her to get hurt. So I was uh, really grateful that he uh, he escorted us outside to make sure we were comfortable going to our car. Yeah, I would have um, been afraid walking out that that guy would be hanging around. Well, and I mean, I'm just like, well, I could die. I thought I was going to die. Everybody who knows me knows that I usually keep to myself and I'm soft-spoken, but, you know, I have a sense of humor and with company i can be loud and and funny and whatnot but with strangers i'm just like i'm too scared to talk to you <laughs> um but this was like a kid was misbehaving voice came out right yes yes <laughs> which so the reason that i share this story is because these kinds of things may be happening more often than you think the fact that the priest said that this happens, this has happened, and you know, even even for it to happen one time is one time far too many. It shouldn't be happening. There should be people watching um, to make sure that if people are receiving communion that they actually consume the hosts. They should be making sure that people aren't taking the host back to their pew to sit with the host and then consume on their own time because it's a matter of reverence for our Lord and the Eucharist. Yeah, like a bare minimum of respect needs to be shown to the Blessed Sacrament is kind of like almost the message. Yeah. But of course, we've talked about on this podcast many times how the highest reverence and respect should be shown to the Blessed Sacrament. And for that reason, we should restore things like altar rails and... Patent, communion, uh, patent, communion, communion on the tongue. on the tongue, etc. Yeah. But this, unfortunately, I think it's a a fallout of the church hierarchy removing all of these things and the bare minimum not being done. The other thing that I remember is when when the guy took the host from his from his mouth it was almost like he knew no one would stop him and or no one would say anything. Now I don't know if it's because he's done it before. I don't know if maybe I was seeing things and I and I might have Again, like I said before, for all I know, it could have just been a visitor coming with his family that was not aware of who the Eucharist is. You know, there there's a plethora of things. Regardless of this guy's intent, it wasn't okay that 
he followed through with whatever he was going to do. You know, whether that be taking the host back to his seat, whether that be taking the host out of out of the building and doing something horrible. Like, I, I couldn't risk, you know, having seen that and not doing anything. Yeah. We know there are people who intentionally steal the host for nefarious reasons. And it easily could have been that. It could, it could yeah. have been. And again, like, I like to assume the best in every single person. But even sometimes really good people can make decisions that are not good decisions. It's still horrible, but to leave the host in a, you know, in a book in the pew, which priests do have happen. Like that happens, you know, some priest was just sharing this on YouTube that he sees every month he collects hosts that people have put in the books or in pews or, you know, hidden around in places because of one reason or another. Like that does happen. I couldn't let it happen. Lord have mercy. None of us should let anything like that happen. I called Mike right away firstly because I was still crying in the car afterwards and uh, I was really, really shaken up. If parishes don't have things in place to ensure the most reverence, I think it's one of those things that it's up to the lay people to step up. Um, mm-hmm. Because if priests aren't doing, sadly, if there are some priests out there that are not being proactive and doing the absolute most to make sure that this kind of stuff isn't happening in these, in their parishes. Like, I don't know. There needs to be just like a legion of, of young men that are ready to step in and, you know, gently and courageously stop these incidences from happening. When all was said and done, I was able to, I was able to move on with, with my day after that, because I felt like aside from everything else that had happened on the trip, the only reason that I needed to be on this trip was to stop that particular event from happening. Because if I hadn't gone that day at that church at that time, I can only hope that someone else would have seen what, you know, seen what this gentleman had done or was going to do and would have, and would have stopped him. And again, I, I really want to hope he didn't have nefarious intent and whatnot. But uh. when I heard this story, it really reminded me of um, a homily that I heard. And I, there was oh, this um. site that used to collect Catholic sermons. Mm. And we used to call the priest um, Father Quote Unquote. Oh, okay. It's the particular way he would say Quote Unquote. Right. I know who you're talking about, but I don't, I don't remember the website. He talked about Eucharistic sacrilege in a homily, and there was a very dark story from a convert who had a previous experience with a friend of his basically saying, you know, we're going to steal the Eucharist and we're going to have some fun. And uh, apparently, I guess this guy who later become, became a convert didn't join in with that, but he, f- he found out that uh, the guy the next day committed a murder-suicide. So this was what popped into my head was like, did you prevent this guy from basically becoming possessed and doing something terrible or, you know, some immediate consequence like that? And of course, like, that that doesn't... Compared to the sacrilege against our Lord, that's not necessarily even that important, but it kind of drives home the severity to my 
emotions, I guess, when I think about that story. Yeah, because at the end, even if it was he felt that he had to receive the Eucharist because he was with family or something like that, and, you know, that is still that's still a desecration. That's still sacrilegious. That's still irreverent treatment. Catholics gotta make this known. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's, the Eucharist is such a gift, mm-hmm. and, like, it's a gift to the whole world. It was an experience, to say the least. But I felt like I had, I could see the fruits of grace and of healing, because after we left the the church and we're heading off to go to Peggy's Cove, I was able to go about my day and I didn't have this sick feeling. I didn't feel afraid. I didn't feel, um, I didn't lose sleep that night. Whereas, you know, a year ago, two years ago, high school and on, if any stressful or scary or um, emotionally traumatic situation had happened, I would lose sleep. I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't enjoy anything. I would basically like completely shut down. But I was and able to be out for multiple days, multiple like a days, week, maybe. Yeah. But I was able to go about my day and the rest of the trip was, which was basically just driving home after that. But, uh, you know, I could see, ah, my, my brain is getting better. Like, you know, there, there has been healing. And when I talked to Chris about the whole thing, he said that uh, when I was crying in the church, God just opened the floodgates and was like, all right, just let it all out now. Let it all out in my house. Like, you know, they're there. <laughs> um, I was like, yep, that that was it. <laughs> and I couldn't tell you how many sideward eye glances I got at that time, which only made me cry harder because I'm like, ah, people are looking at me. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I looked at my Fitbit, and um, it was crazy to see the spike in my heart rate. So right when all of that was happening, like my heart rate spiked up to 100, 140 BPM, and I wasn't running. <laughs> it was like just sheer adrenaline and stress made my heart rate go up that much. Yeah, and your Fitbit is like, oh yeah, you're in an optimal fat burning zone. Oh yeah, it, it, <laughs> I got zone minutes for that stress. <laughs> and again, like we're not trying to make light of that horrible situation. It's just the things that happened afterwards, like to my person, were kind of comical. There's my story. Sorry, it's been so long. There were a lot of things that happened. It's All a good story, though. It's an important story. Yeah, it's an important story. Parts of it I can laugh at and parts of it I, I do still feel sad about. Um, yeah, of you course. Know, it's never not going to be really sad. Yeah. And you can recognize God's goodness in placing you there and yeah. Yeah. giving you the strength to do what you did. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when the priest was asking if <laughs> saying I needed to be baptized and stuff like that. That, that, that is kind of funny. Really funny. That is funny. Because <laughs> he funny. said, like he said, well, I'm from India and I see this kind of thing happen. Like this happens all the time. People like, you know, are are just totally moved and they just break down and every wall mm. comes down and 
you know, they want to be baptized. And that's what he saw with me at that time. But no, I was just having a panic attack, Father. But I really appreciate that you came and checked on me. And apparently he did bless me, but I have no memory of it. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Well, I've been waiting to share that story for a while. And I share it only because maybe it'll be a, a prompt to everyone to check check yourselves maybe figure out a way that you can make your parish more reverent and stay alert and stay alert yeah like i do think it's important to be prayerful but dang these days sometimes you do just need to it's okay to have your eyes open anyway so next episode is episode 100 i really hope you guys can join us for the finale of season five and uh yeah, we really appreciate all of the support, all of the love, all of the comments, all the shares that we've had um, these past these past years, and especially with uh, you know, everything that's happened. So, until next time, stay, stay tratty. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. What are your thoughts on today's episode? We would love to hear from you guys. Message us on Facebook or DM us on Instagram at Theology of the Buddy. Find us on Twitter at Stay Tratty or email us at theologyofthebuddy at gmail.com. You can also send us a voicemail via Facebook Messenger. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing wherever you are listening to podcasts and rating and reviewing us on iTunes. We greatly appreciate it as it helps us to get noticed within the larger podcast community. New episodes are released every other Monday. We'll save you a seat at the table. Take care, guys.